This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Movement Mortgage. Movement provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Founded in 2008, amidst one of the biggest financial meltdowns in American history, Movement set forth on a mission to create a movement of change in their industry, in corporate cultures, and in communities. First, they pioneered a unique approach to home loans centered around helping home buyers quickly and easily. Then they created a model so that a portion of their profit creates a long-term positive impact in communities both close to home and around the globe through the Movement Foundation and Movement Schools. It all comes back to their mission to love and value people. Learn more at movement.com faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You've heard the expression, penny wise and pound foolish. Well, it's especially true with how some folks treat their mortgage. Hi, I'm Rob West. Here in the States, we could say penny-wise and dollar-foolish, and it seems like a lot of folks are that way. They're more concerned with the interest they're getting on their savings account than the interest they're paying on their mortgage. I'll talk about that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, please understand, it's a good thing to shop around for the best interest rates on savings. But my point is, it's a whole lot more important to pay attention to how much you're paying in interest on your mortgage because efforts to reduce that will pay off so much more. Uh, Just take a hard look at the amount of interest you'll pay over the life of a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, and it should be all the incentive you need to pay it off as fast as possible. Uh, let's say you take out a 300000 30-year fixed-rate mortgage at 6.5%, about the average rate these days, unfortunately. At the end of that term, you'll have paid almost $383,000 in interest, making the true cost of the home closer to $700,000. Uh, with today's higher interest rates, it's more important than ever to get your mortgage paid off as quickly as possible. Now, let's say you take out that 30-year mortgage, but you decide to pay an extra $250 a month on the principal. You might have to make some sacrifices to do that, but again, it'll pay off big. How big? Well, if you pay that extra $250 each month, you'll pay off the 30-year loan eight years and two months faster, saving you, you ready for this, $120,000 in interest. So you see, the potential payoff for getting rid of your mortgage early is huge, and it really needs to be a priority in your financial decision-making. So here are four steps to getting there. First, you need a spending plan, not just because it's a good idea and everyone should have one, which is true, you need a budget because you can't start the process of accelerating your mortgage payments without one. And setting up your spending plan is now easier than ever with the FaithFi app. It uses the envelope system to make budgeting easy, and it'll track your spending and reveal things you can cut to free up more cash. You'll find it at FaithFi.com. For example, cut back on your streaming services, limit eating out, put a moratorium on new clothes purchases, 
purchases, even if it's just for a month or two. If you need more incentive to tighten the belt, consider that saving just $25 a month and putting it on your mortgage will net you $17,000 in reduced interest payments in the example we gave before. Okay, the next step is to determine just how much of that extra cash you can apply to your mortgage. You can even make it a budget category all by itself. The point is, anything extra you put on your mortgage now will be worth a lot more down the road, so make that number as big as you can. You may start to feel deprived because you've cut a lot of your fun spending. It helps to celebrate milestones along the way, maybe a special dinner out whenever you've paid off another $1,000 in mortgage principal. Just keep celebrating within the budget. Now, the next step is something anyone can do, even if you've been thinking up to this point that you have no surplus cash to put on the mortgage. It's using money that comes your way outside of your budget. Some call it found money or mad money. Uh, make a commitment to put that unexpected cash on your mortgage principal as well as the surplus money you've identified in your budget. Where does this extra money come from? Well, it could be just about anywhere, overtime pay or a work bonus, maybe money from work you do on the side, a tax refund, gift money, or cash you get from selling stuff. The trick is to apply that money to your mortgage principal as soon as you get it. Don't think of it as mad money that you can spend any way you like. Don't let it sit around tempting you. If you haven't set up an online account with your lender, do that now. Most lender websites now make it easy to apply extra payments to the principal just by clicking a button or two. And while you're logging in, uh, you'll be able to see the running balance of your principal. Keep track of it. Watch it go down as you make extra payments. That'll help you stay motivated and remember, celebrate your progress along the way. And the sooner you start, the more money you'll save that can be put to better uses. Proverbs 21.5 says slow and steady plotting brings prosperity. So start plotting steadily toward your early mortgage payoff. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and you're listening to Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Stay with us. We're just getting started. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. Have you downloaded the Faith by app yet? You need to do that today because this is going to make your life easier. Yes, you can manage your money through the in-app envelope feature, but also plan out future goals. I want to buy a house in five years and I'm on track to do that. Here's also what I like. You can connect with people around the country. It's like social media, but better. Ask a question, get an answer and share what you're learning about money and investing. So why don't you grab your phone right now and download the Faith by app. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. All right, it's time to take your calls and questions today on anything financial. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We've got a few lines open. We'd love to hear from you today as we uh, apply God's wisdom from the Bible to your financial decisions and choices. Here's our approach here at Faith and Finance. We start with our identity in Christ, who we are as God's creation, uh, as children, uh, daughters and sons of the King, and understanding our place once we surrendered our lives to Jesus and placed our trust in Him as adopted into God's family and a right standing before the Lord. And then we look to Scripture to say, what are the principles, the big themes that we can pull out of Scripture as it relates to money management? And then finally, how can we apply those after we understand our true identity in Him and His wisdom from the Bible, how can we apply those principles to the the real decisions and choices we're making every day in the financial arena? Well, we want to give you a hopeful and encouraging approach to answering each of those financial questions today. Whatever you're thinking about today financially, give us a call. We've got some lines open. Our team is standing by 800 525 7,000. Uh, let's begin in upstate New York. Wesley, I understand you're a teenager thinking about buying a car. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. So I've, I've worked for a couple of years and I got my money saved up and I'm not really exactly sure what I should do with it because I, I want to buy a car, but I also, you know, I like having you know, a little money saved up. So yeah. I was wondering what you would recommend me do. Yeah. I love that. So talk to me just about your most pressing needs right now. Are there things on the horizon uh, beyond this car purchase or, you know, how are you going to approach, uh, you know, college? Uh, is there an immediate need for a car or is that something you can wait on and anything else that you know is coming in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I am going to be going to college um, next year, but a lot of that is I'm going to have like scholarships. Um, so maybe, you know, when you're a freshman, I guess they don't let you keep the car or not, not you don't have a parking spot. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. You know, right now I'm borrowing my brother's car because uh, he's here right now, and okay. I drive to school. Um, but he's going to be gone eventually, and then I'm going to be not at home. Okay, Do you, are you going to be able to live on campus and and get around without a car, perhaps? I think so. I think I'll okay. be on campus. Yeah. So I think that's the perhaps the next approach is to say, first of all, let's continue to save as you're able to. Sounds like you have a job, some way to earn some income. I think your ability to limit your lifestyle spending and not establish a consumptive lifestyle, but really prioritize the opportunity to save during this season of life would be really helpful. Keeping your expenses as low as possible, including delaying the purchase of that car as long as you can. So number one, you can continue to build savings and buy a used, uh, older, but perhaps still fairly reliable car that you could depend on. It's going to take you a little bit more than 4000 to get there. And then you're going to have all those added expenses of putting gas in the car and keep it, keeping it properly insured. And an older car is going to need some maintenance, so you'll need to put some money aside for that. And then beyond that, you're still going to want an emergency fund um, you know, that you can fall back on of at least a few months' expenses, probably three months. Um, I would put a budget together for when you're on your own in college. What expenses are you going to be required to uh, to cover? Uh, you know, are there you know entertainment expenses, things you know, just personal spending that you're going to want to do, and how much you're going to need for that? Uh, determine whether you're going to keep that job when you're still you know when you're in college, so you've got a means of income. But I think the focus right now is 
just to continue to save as much as you can so that when you're ready to make that car purchase or you have something else come up that you've got that money uh, to count on. I wouldn't invest it. I don't want to put it at risk given the time horizon is still fairly short on it. So I'd probably recommend if you haven't already, you drop that into a high yield savings account, probably in an online bank and just really begin to set a goal for what you're trying to save both for your emergency reserve and set an ultimate goal for that car purchase. So you're looking to double that 4,000 and make it 8,000 and buy kind of an older, you know, used but still fairly reliable car. If so, begin doing that research, you know, spend some time on AutoTrader and and look at uh, what you're ultimately saving for so that you have a, a picture of where that's going. But I think your your key right now is just to limit your spending, save as much as you can, and be thoughtful about what you're saving for, what those goals are. And then in addition to that, you want to put a budget together, a a spending plan that just says, here's the expenses I have now and how I'm going to cover them. And when I'm in college, living on campus in the dorm, what are my expenses going to be then? Um, Just so you have an idea of where you're headed. And I think as you begin to not only put that plan in place, but continue to build up uh, some of these savings accounts, you'll be ready when the time comes to make these purchases. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Thank you. That's actually really helpful. Good. Here's what I'd like to do, uh, Wesley, and I didn't mean to cut you off. I want to hear if you had any additional thoughts, but I want you to stay on the line. I want to send you a book called Your Money Counts. It's by Howard Dayton. It'll give you kind of a good primer on not only uh, just wise money management, but really bringing a biblical perspective of all of it so you understand and hopefully can get started in the right direction. Did you have any other follow-up thoughts or questions? Oh, no, I just wanted to thank you. I really appreciate your advice. Well, I'm happy to do it. You stay on the line. We'll get your information, Wesley, and get that book out to you. And we appreciate you being on the program today. Uh, 800-525-7000 is the number to call. We've got some lines open today for your financial questions. Uh, let's head to Tennessee. Uh, it looks like Jim Bob. Go right ahead. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Hey, thanks for taking the call. So we are getting ready to purchase a house, and the folks that we're buying it from have their, have the house in a in a, their family's revocable trust. And I've not really heard of those before. And I was just wondering, what's the benefit of that? And is that something that, that we should set up for ourselves? Uh, yeah, uh, it's a good question. So a revocable trust has provisions that can be altered or canceled uh, based on the wishes of the grantor. That is the person who creates the trust. In this case, that would be you. That's why it's revocable as opposed to an irrevocable trust that can't be changed. And there's certain additional asset protection that comes from that. Um you know, in terms of why you would want to do that, uh, basically it allows you to have control over that asset um, before death, but also after death in terms of uh, the trust documents would spell out how how that asset, as well as anything else inside the trust, is to be distributed according to your wishes. And that may not happen all right at death. It could be uh, down the road based on certain triggering events, and the trustee would handle the distribution of the assets or the income from the trust according to the trust documents. Um, one of the primary drivers there, in addition to being able to control that, you know, into the future, even beyond your life, would be if you have a, let's say, a, uh, you know, a disabled child or somebody who's going to need, you know, be a lifelong dependent, or you had minor children and you'd want to be able to transfer assets to them at a certain age or based on certain events where, you know, you they've demonstrated 
accelerated maturity and, a, and an ability to handle that wealth. That would be one reason. A second reason is for the, the asset to pass outside of probate. So it wouldn't run through the probate court. It would pass outside of probate directly to the beneficiaries uh, of the trustee. That would be another reason why some folks use them. Does that make sense? It does. I have a little, a couple more questions about the probate and what the benefit of that would be. Okay. Let's do this. If you can hold the line, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll tackle those questions and anything else on your mind. So you stay right there, Jim Bob. Uh, when we come back, we'll tackle the rest of this question plus yours. Looks like we have some questions about credit cards and much more to come just around the corner. Stay with us. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com slash faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a, a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today at 800-525-7000. Just before the break, we were talking to Jim Bob in Tennessee. He's purchasing a home. The home is actually in a revocable trust, which means that uh, the home was retitled in the name of the trust. And that's generally done so you can have control over that asset either before or death if you're incapacitated or after death based on uh, the wishes of the grantor who set it up. Also for just the efficiency of transferring the property uh, outside of probate. And so that uh, home would be directed based on the trust documents as opposed to the probate court being involved in any way. But Jim, Bob, you had a follow-up question on that. Go ahead. Well, I think you clarified it just with your clarifying statements there about just the the simplifying the process of having that asset pass on to uh, to whoever it was going to rather than having to go through probate. So I think that pretty much cleared it up for me. Yeah. So, I mean, there are costs associated with probate. You would miss those. It's a part of the public record. With the trust, it would not be. It would be handled privately. And then there's just the efficiency of it. The probate court process can take some time as opposed to the trust documents. If, if it was to go directly to a beneficiary at death, it could happen fairly quickly with the trust. The downside is it's a little more complex. You have to retitle the property in the name of the trust, and it could run you a couple of thousand dollars to set the trust up. So you just need to define on the front end, what is it we're trying to accomplish? And is a trust the best way to do that? You follow? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have resources on ways or reasons why a trust might be a good idea? Uh, we don't have anything specifically on that. You could do a, uh, you know, a, find a 
ton of information out there on the web from some reliable sources. Um, but I would, at the end of the day, probably schedule a visit with a godly estate attorney who can just help you talk through your overall estate plan and whether or not a trust is going to be helpful to you as a part of what you're trying to accomplish. If you need a godly estate attorney in your area, I'd contact a certified kingdom advisor and just ask for a referral. They all will have a uh, an attorney that they work with for estates. And you just head to our website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Just click find a CKA. Thanks for uh, your call today. We appreciate it, Jim Bob. Uh, to Chicago, WMBI. Hi, Sue. Go right ahead. Hi. I just wanted some information about um, creating a budget. My daughter and her husband are trying to save for a house, and they cannot do it at this time because of the debt. Mm, yeah. All right. Um, tell me how motivated they are to you know, rectify this situation. Do you feel like if somebody was willing to walk alongside them and guide them, they'd be willing to put the budget in place and, you know, make the decisions necessary to bring spending down so that they have some surplus and then really stick to it? Or do you feel like there's kind of a bigger issue underneath the surface? No, I think that they really need some guidance. They're trying to buy a house, and the bank is telling them probably not until next year. Um, So they really want to purchase a home. Yeah, very good. Well, here's what I'd like to do. Um, We have um, certified Christian financial counselors available here at FaithFi, and I'd love, just as our gift to you, to make one of them available uh, to your daughter and son-in-law. Again, as long as they're willing to do the work, this would be somebody who's been trained to help them uh, evaluate where they're at currently with their spending, uh, you know, really capture that in a, in a thorough manner and then put a new budget together and make the hard decisions on how to uh, balance that budget, including having margin available after all the bills are paid um, to be able to fund a, a um, uh, home savings uh, account and then perhaps help them get up on a system that's going to control the flow of money on a monthly basis so they can stay on track and really make course corrections during the month as they see that certain categories have been, you know, you know, expended fully, uh, making the decisions to dial back their spending or perhaps cut back in another area so they can, uh, you know, use the money from that particular budget category, whatever that might be. Um, this uh, certified Christian financial counselor can really walk alongside them as they put all that together. Does that sound good? That would be great. Okay. Very good. Let's do this. Uh, You stay on the line. We'll get your information and then have uh, one of our CERT CFCs uh, give uh, you a call to connect with your daughter and son-in-law and see if we can uh, be helpful to them. Thanks for being on the program today. We appreciate it very much. Uh, To Indiana, let's finish up with Karen. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for your call. I have to have you on speakerphone, so I hope you can hear me. I can. Okay. Um, I... the only debt that we carry is our mortgage, and I'd like to take some money out of my IRA to pay it off, which is less than $8,000, and my husband is now retired. I'm just curious if you would advise that. Yeah, so it's an IRA, and what do you have in there right now, Karen? How much? Probably only about 56000 Okay, and you'd like to take 8000 out, and you could eliminate the mortgage. Uh, what is your mortgage payment currently? 
it's only about 150. He just made it this, it's only like 150 some a month. Okay. And are you all sending extra? Yeah, he always sends extra. Okay. So if you just continue on the current track that you're on, how quickly would you have it paid off? Oh, what would that divide out? I mean, if it's, we only owe like $7,000 on the house. And what do you think he's eight. sending each month? He's sending a hundred extra. I mean, it, it would save us about $600 a month, a year, I should say. Okay. With the right. uh, paying it off. I mean, yeah. with the interest, he sends a hundred extra. I mean, the actual payment, it's really almost embarrassing to how much we make for a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And is that 56000 down a good bit from where it was, let's say, a year ago? It's up because it, it's come up. The interest he's paying, that we're paying has come up a little bit, not much. Okay, but a so bit. the IRAs in, in, in um, cash and cash equivalents, banking type products, not stocks? Mm, that I can Okay, but you feel like the value of that IRA is up from 12 months ago, or? So the IRA is down. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, so that's what I was asking about. Yeah, so that that would be the only reason I might wait. I mean, if this is going to solve a shortfall every month, and let me ask about that, is, is, are you able to cover all of your bills every month without any problem, even with the mortgage? Yes. Okay, so given that that IRA is down, you've you've ridden it down with the market like everybody else has because we've been in a challenging environment. Pulling eight thousand out is going to lock in those losses, and it's going to add eight thousand to your taxable income for the year. Um, so, given that, and given you've got plenty of money to make this very small mortgage payment on this mortgage that's at around seven grand, unless you all just have a real conviction to be debt free as soon as possible, I'd wait and let that IRA recover over the next year or two and just keep paying it like you are. You can always pay it off if you want to, but I wouldn't do it right now. Thanks for your call today. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.